So we have a special, special treat for you this morning. Uh, you are not going to hear from one, but three amazing, amazing women at our church, all who are moms and all who have something on their heart that they want to share. So will you please uh, give a big uh, welcome and applause to Anna Fondacaro, Sheila Augusto, and Joanna Charman. Come on up. We have asked them to share, we're calling it the stages of motherhood, and each of them have a perspective, and no one mother is the same, and in fact, no one mother is in the same place, uh, you know, in their, in their motherhood, and so you're going to hear from three perspectives, three stages of life, and hopefully every single one of you will be ministered today, so, so listen and have an open heart. And again, ladies, thank you so much. So Anna, take it away. Thank you. Um, I know you've heard it like three times already, but happy Mother's Day. Um, you guys look amazing. I'm gonna scoot over so I'm not blocking you. Um, happy Mother's Day, Mom. She's not here, but she's watching. Hi, Mom. Um, the beauty of technology. Um, so it's funny because when Matthew said stages of motherhood, I'm like, oh, Lord, you don't want me to tell the stage I am in, but here we are. So I have um, two kids. So my daughter, Reagan, is six, for those of you who do not know, and I have a son, Christopher, who is um, going to be two next month. And um, if I could put it into words, the stage I am in, it would be um, called Sour Patch Kids stage. And um, have you ever seen those commercials where... I think my favorite one is where um, that cute little gummy comes across and it like chops off the girl's pigtail and it's super sour and she's like, ah, and then the next minute it's like super sweet and it's like hugging her and cuddling her. That's the stage I'm in. <laughs> it's very sweet and it's very sour. Um, if you've ever spent time with me, you know that I, I love my kids. I talk about them all the time. I... Um, I usually just talk about all the things Reagan says. Um, that kid has an imagination, and she's very blunt and honest. And um, for Christopher, it's all the weird things he does. Boys are so weird, and they are so gross. And, um, you know, nobody ever tells you um, when you, you know, become a mom, like, you're going to say, um, don't put your French fries in your toes. No, don't eat them. That's gross. I kid you not, my son puts his French fries in his toes and then lifts him up to his mouth and pulls them out and then eats them. And I kid you not, I'm like, you are so disgusting. You are so talented, and I am so proud that you're that flexible, but you are so gross. Then in the same car ride, same car ride, Reagan is licking Christopher's face, and he's screaming like, ah, because he doesn't talk. So he's licking her face. And I kid you not, five minutes back and forth. Finally, I'm like, stop licking his face. He doesn't like it. Nobody tells you you're going to have those really weird moments. So that's my season. It's very fun. It's very messy. It's challenging, super sweet moments and super sour moments. Um, so that's the stage. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, 
So a friend of mine posted this the other day, and I felt it was very fitting. Um, it said, uh, the definition of toddler, it says, emotionally unstable, pint-sized dictator with the uncanny ability to know exactly how far to push you towards utter insanity before reverting to a lovable creature. <laughs> I'm like, my kids, exactly. You're speaking to my soul. Um, so, but in all seriousness, um, the stage that I am in is just amazing. It's so quick, but you want it to last forever. Sometimes, you, like Sarah said in her, um, in her spoken word, it's you want it to go by quickly because you're like, oh, finish the stage. But you also want it to stay because there's such sweet moments in it. So in um, Proverbs 22.6, it says, start children off the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So right now in this stage, I realize that um, my kids are my first ministry above all else. Um, they're at an age where they're so moldable and so, um, so open to any idea that you get excited about. And so um, that if I can plant the seeds of who Jesus Christ is as my father, as my savior, as my healer, as my best friend, as the first thing I turn to when things go upside down, um, that if I can example those things um, and make it a part of their everyday life, that I know that I'll see Proverbs 22.6 um, come to reign true in their lives. And um, sure, I don't like the sour moments. Um, my kids are sassy. They're Italian and Hispanic, which, <laughs> yikes. It's a lot of fire under one roof, and <laughs> they tend to get it from the Italian side a little bit more. But... Um, are you kidding me? Look at that table. It's like just a bunch of Italians just like fiery inside. Once they leave here, they're not as sweet as they look. Um, I'm just kidding. They really are. They really are. Um, but it's in the sour moments that there are teachable moments. Um, moments to show God's love and grace and forgiveness. Um, I try to remember all the time to have grace for myself, even in the midst of their tantrums and you know, they're throwing themselves on the floor in Target, and I, I walk away. I'm like, what? I'm like, someone pick up that kid. I don't know. He's white but has really dark hair, so maybe he's mine. I don't know. Um, but it's okay sometimes for them to see me fail because it's in the failure moments where I fail to show God's love and God's grace and forgiveness. It's in those moments that I now get to come to them and I apologize and then I ask for their forgiveness and it lets them um, experience it and put it into practice themselves like, hey, here's my mom coming to me. I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry, you know, for reacting that way. Um, can you forgive me? And there's such a power and such a turn in them that they see and respect me so much more. Um, so it's in those sour moments that... Um, that God really teaches me a lot, and it also he also teaches them. Um, it's also in the hard times that I remind myself that this very child who is screaming and crying, and sometimes it's a fake cry that, <laughs> you know, it's in those moments where you're like, I know you're faking, and stop it, and you get frustrated because a lot of times, um, I know for me, I like to tag out. I'm like, this your home, tag, bye, you know, but a lot of times we don't get those moments. We don't get those tag out moments. And 
um, it's in those moments that I try to remind myself um, that this very child who is so sour right now is the very child I prayed for endlessly. And so it turns my, why me, Lord, to thank you for choosing me, Lord. And so um, this season, I just, I'm in love with it and I hate it all at once. It's, it's a crazy um, feeling, but it's so good. And then it's in the sweet moments that just bring so much joy to my heart and make motherhood worth it. It's in those moments where your kids can't see you, but you can see them and you can hear them. And, you know, um, we have a monitor in our kids' room and um, Reagan knows about it, but I think she forgets about it a lot of times. And it's in the moments of her little prayers where she's fervently praying to the Lord, crying for a horse or, um, you know, just different things. She, she prays for her sister every night. I hate to break it to her, but she's not going to get it. And so, but it's good because it's in those moments that I'm like, thank you, Lord. It's thank you, Lord, that in the hard times where I can be that example, that now she's going to see that and she examples it even when she knows we're not looking or doesn't know we're looking. So it's in those moments that I just cherish so much, and I just pray that um, that little prayer warrior stays in her. And so the things that you see in your children now, claim it. Claim it and hold on to it and don't let it go. You fight for it. You, you pray over it. You pray victory over it. Um, and then um, it's even in the little things like them being respectful or polite or they say yes and yes, please, and no, thank you. It's in those moments. Um, and then another scripture that gets me through this season is Deuteronomy 4.9, and it says this, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Um, God has done so many things in my life, and I'm sure in yours, and to let your kids in on that experience and tell them the goodness of God. Um, you know, right now we're in an interesting place where, you know, we're explaining to Reagan, your prayers are heard, God hears them, he loves you, um, but the answer's not always going to be yes. It's going to be no. It's going to be not right now. It's going to be wait. It's going to be something other than yes sometimes, and that's okay. And so um, just show them, you know, um, if you're excited about it, they're going to be excited about it. So just always be excited about what God's doing in your lives and in your families. Um, and then my last scripture says, um, it's Psalms ninety twelve, and it says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Um, in this stage of motherhood, um, the days are long and the years are short. If I can say that again, the, year, the days are long and the years are short. Those long days where you're like, please come home. Please, someone save me. Please go to bed. You like give them all the sugar so they have a sugar high and then they crash real hard. Like I have plenty of those days. Um, you know, so, but teach us to number our days that, um, you know, when I feel like I'm in the thick of it and... Um, in the sour moments, even in the sweet moments that um, I see the bigger picture, that time is so short that I have them in this season and in this stage that I need to um, realize the importance and just continue to pour into them and be an example and, um, and just 
be the mom that God called me to be, to never let up, to never ease up, no matter how I feel exhausted, happy, tired, sad, mad, that I never let up because um, you only have such a short moment to mold them and shape them. And um, so if you got anything from whatever I said, it's that um, you would take away that um, you could soak in the truth of these verses. Um, If you're in my stage, I want you to hear this. Any stage, really. Um, Your work is important, dear mom. And what you are doing right now, wiping boogers, uh, (laughs) punching, please don't punch. Um, (laughs) I take that back. Um, Packing lunches, um, changing diapers, the 2 a.m. wake-up calls. I thought it was so funny. I believe Xander, you said he wakes up at 2 a.m. to go to the bathroom to poop. I love it. Um, Reagan, I'm like, do your best. Wipe and I'll wipe you in the morning. Like, you got it. Just, you know. But it's in the 2 a.m. wake-ups and, um, and, and teaching ABCs and the, the over and over, you know, for Christopher, it's like, um, up, please. Yes, please. Yes, please, just say one word, kid, please, please, please. But it's in those moments and it's in those things repetitively um, that your work is so important. It all matters. Whether it doesn't feel like it in the moment, it does. Your kids see it, and if it wasn't there, they'd feel it. So it all matters. You're important. Your job is important. Don't ever forget it. Um, So embrace this stage because you only live it once, and that's any stage. But if you're in my stage and they're little, just hug them a little longer. When they want to play and you don't want to, just get on the floor, play ponies, play dinosaurs. I roar so much throughout the week. It's (laughs) insane. But just keep going, keep doing it, and um, you are all amazing, and um, happy Mother's Day. Good morning, good morning. Um, so as Anna shared on the, the little toddlers and elementary age, um, I'm going to move on up to the teen years, which I have a teen and I have a three-year-old. So I kind of am in, in this weird dynamic a little bit too um, of being in both worlds. But um, I do have to say that as I'm about to talk about the teen stage, So far for me where I'm at, I love the teen stage. I love the connection that I have with Bella and being able to chat and um, doing movies and all those things. I I really am cherishing it and trying to be the good mother that I want to be and I'm not perfect and she knows that. But um, so that's uh, what I'm gonna be speaking on. Um, I have a few quotes, some are funny Some are ones to ponder at this morning, so um, listen as I go along. A recipe for a great iced coffee. Have kids, make coffee, forget you made coffee, and then drink it cold. Um, Our our, um, easy days bring rest, difficult days bring growth, and each day is a gift from God. Our, world, our words will either bring life and victory or death and destruction. If we want to be happy, we have to be serious about speaking words of life that line up with God's word. I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me. They have clung to me my entire life. When your children are teenagers, it is important to have a dog, 
so that someone in the house is happy to see you. <laughs> a child may outgrow your lap, but you will never outgrow, uh, they will never outgrow your heart. If you're old enough to critique what I put in your lunch, then make it yourself. Everything we do as parents makes an impact. Even when it seems like nothing we are saying is making a difference, it is. While we teach our children all about life, it's our children that uh, children teach us about what life is all about. Adolescence is a period of rapid changes. Between the ages of 12 and 17, for example, a parent ages as much as 20 years. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but. <laughs> and I do have one poll that I found. Um, at a high school, they polled 600 students to write down on a piece of paper one influential word, just one, and they all had to write it down and turn it in. And 422 of the 600 wrote down mom. And I'm like, okay, well, that's like over half, right, of this poll high school, by the way, that they chose to write down mom. And I think, okay, would Bella write down mom or would she write down Marvel? You know, like, which one would she put down? And I would hope that it would be mom. But how awesome is that, that over half did put mom but where we stand as moms and, it, and dads, it just means so important that we have an impact in our kids. I have two little points that are what I'm going through right now uh, with Bella that I want to just um, uh, mention. Um, I am actually going to be talking real quick about a mom in the Bible. Um, probably most of us have really probably never heard of her name before. Um, or maybe we have, and it's just this distant kind of person in the Bible, but it's Eunice. And Eunice was Timothy's mother. Um, Timothy was ended up being, in his adult years, um, being Apostle Paul's assistant. And I, reading through Timothy's life and what Eunice did at a very, what Anna was talking about, at a very young age, making sure that Timothy knew the word, making sure she was praying over him, making sure she was, you know, saying words of affirmation over him and training him up. Um, I'm going to be in 2 Timothy uh, 2 through 5, a couple quick um, scriptures, and this is a letter from Paul. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son, not his actual son, it's his spiritual son that he um, embraced. Uh, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. When, when I was looking up Eunice and who she was, um, you know, I'm a big um, meaning of names. And um, hers means conquering well and great, happy victory. And I'm like, that is not what my name means 
at all. My, my name in Matthew last, because I'm always like, well, that's what it means, Sheila. But it's dim-sided one. And I'm like, yeah, I did not get the conquering well. I got dim-sided one. But I'm going to claim that one over me, not the dim-sided one. But yes. But as a mom, you know, and I know the moms out here, you want to have that. You want to be able to say, I conquered well in bringing my child up in the Lord. I am a happy and great victory. Um, Eunice was able to overcome her fear of the Jewish leaders and the Roman authorities to make sure she raised Timothy up in the faith and in the word. Timothy's early exposure to scripture show that teaching children from an early age, just as Anna was saying, um, is so important. We are commanded to train children up in the Lord, Proverbs 22, 6. Eunice knew the scriptures so well that she taught Timothy, obviously at a young age, that when Paul came around, and they think he was like um, in about his late teens, that he kind of just said, hey, you're coming with me and you're doing ministry with me. I want to share with you Timothy's ministry years to show you that as a, as a mom who took her job seriously to bring her child up in the Lord, what Timothy did from that point on once he met up with Paul. He ministered in at least five New Testament churches, 1 Thessalonians 4.14, 1 Corinthians 4.17, Philippians 2.19, Acts 17.14, and 1 Timothy 1.3. Those are the five churches. Timothy accompanied Paul on most of his second journey travels after he left Lystra. Then in um, Ephesus, during the third missionary um, journey, he then ministered in Macedonia, later meets the apostle through Asia and Jerusalem. Paul imprisoned in Rome in, in 61 AD. Timothy is said to have been with him. At the end of Paul's fifth journey and before, just before his death, Paul requests his friend to bring his personal copies of his writings. Paul testified to those in Philippi regarding the unique Christian character of Timothy and his dedication to spreading the gospel. And Timothy died as a martyr over the age of 80, being stoned to death. And all because a mom took her job seriously and raised her kid up the way he needed to go. Eunice was a godly mother, and I'm not by any means saying I am perfect, asked Bella. But how, how neat it is to make sure that we have those role models like in the Bible, like a Eunice, that we that we go that way you know as as parents and us bringing the our children up in the word and praying over them and claiming scriptures over them those are building blocks for your children in the future god is going to use what you have instilled in your kids at a very young age and all the way through up your kids will know it they will know when they're in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s God is going to use all of those things that you did. And just like in those quotes, sometimes you don't even think you're making an impact. You are. You're making an impact. So that's my first point. Second point is listen to your teens. Listen to your kids, but listen to your teens. The, here's a quote. Listen earnestly to anything your children want to tell you, no matter what. If you don't listen eagerly to the little stuff when they're little, they won't tell you the big stuff when they're older. Because to them, 
all of it has always been big stuff. And when I read that quote, I'm like, oh, that's something that I need to just be careful of. Something that um, I'm not a passive listener when Bella tells me stuff, that I'm an active listener. You know, I, I was telling Bella in the car, how many times when someone comes up to you and, and they're telling you a story and you're like thinking about what you're going to have for dinner that night? Like, you're just kind of like, oh, I'm not really hearing them. Like, I just, I'm so hungry. And you're kind of doing a passive listening until they're done talking and you're like, okay, goodbye. And then you walk away. But how important it is to be active and, and involved in what they're saying. Um, you know, with that said, and being in the teen year with um, Bella, she is Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. And I am not Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. I actually have no idea in the Marvel world of what's happening, but it's, it's her jam. Like, it's her thing. And I cannot tell you how many times she comes up to me and says, Mom, Mom, this and this quote and this Instagram story or whatever it may be. Or she goes and sees a movie and she's like, Mom. And, you know, there was this big distress call on Thor's ship and then Thanos was there and he called in the Black Order and already, and already had the purple stone and then Thor was prisoner and then Hulk comes on the ship and beats him up and Loki gives Thanos a stone to save Thor and at the end of the movie there was a big snap and I'm like, I have no idea what you're just saying, but that's great, Bella. Right? So all of this to say your kids are important and to finish the Marvel thing for Bella, I love you 3,000. I have no idea what that means, but I love you 3,000. So all of this that the, in those two points right now for me raising my teen is making sure that there's this progressive line. You maybe a first-generation Christian, and it's starting with you now. You could be like Eunice, who had a grandmother, or a mother, um, Lois, who was a Christian, and, and you know Eunice was a Christian, and now Timothy's a Christian, and it's a generation thing. But it starts with you, and it continues with you in your generation of being that positive influence, that positive godly influence for your children. Oh, and I do have one more verse. Um, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength, uh, 2 Timothy 4.17. So I'm kind of a wreck already this morning. I, uh, see, I'm going to cry. Um, I was listening to Anna talk about how quick it goes, and it's true. So once I cry, I'll be good. <laughs> it started my uh, journey of realizing that my parenting time was somewhat over when I saw or read uh, Proverbs 23:22. It says, listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she is old. I'm like, great. <laughs> That's where we are. <laughs> I have a, uh, and my husband is Greg, and I'm going to refer to all of this as me. But just know that it was definitely a we in raising our kids. But since it's Mother's Day, he doesn't get any of this credit. Um, 
I just don't want you to think I'm selfish and just saying I, I today. But we have a 29-year-old, a daughter who just turned 29, and a 27-year-old. And we also have a 14-year-old boy who happens to be my dog. And he is always excited when I get home. So thank goodness for him. Um, my journey of motherhood has not always been pretty. I, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen pictures of the mother sitting at the end of the dining room table reading her Bible with a cup of coffee and a china cup. And the sun's, like, shining down on the table. And, you know... My life is not like that at all, and probably yours is not either. Uh, obviously, that's something that I think we strive for, is to be the mother who, whose children see her in the Word. But my life as a mother didn't start off like that. Um, when Greg and I got married, a few years into our marriage, we had a miscarriage pretty early on. Um, and then later, uh, so we were married like six, almost seven years before we had Lauren. Um, but at at eight weeks, I had a C-section with both of my girls. At eight weeks after both of them, I had to go back to work full time. Um, we have never lived extravagantly. It wasn't a choice we made to live high and have fancy cars and have to go back to work. It was just a necessity. I had to go back to work. So I would come home from work and my little eight, ten week old baby who didn't see me all day um, and this went on for many, many months. I uh, didn't want to go to sleep at night because I'd only seen her for a couple hours. So literally for the first six months of her life, I slept on a reclining chair with her right here with a big beach towel wrapped around me. So in case I flipped over in the night or something, she wouldn't fall off. And I remember people at the time telling me I was going to spoil her because, you know, I wasn't putting her to sleep and letting her cry it out. And I chose, we chose not to do that. It was just too hard. I mean, she didn't see me all day. Um, so, um, uh, let's see, full-time mom, uh, my other daughter, this is so sad, you guys, I know some of you can relate to this, when I used to take her to preschool and daycare on Mondays, especially preschool, she used to cry every Monday, we went through separation anxiety, she cried as she walked into the room, I cried all the way on my hour drive to work, it was horrible, um, I remember buying formula and diapers on my lunch break because there was no time before work or after work because the daycare would have been closed if I stopped to buy them on my way home. And you may ask why Greg didn't do that. Greg was also working full time and going to school three nights a week. So there was no time for him to buy formulas and diaper. And yeah, we could have probably bought them on Saturday. I don't know, you know, we didn't do that all the time, run out, but things happen. And so I do remember though, running out on my lunch break and just not having one extra minute to do anything. And I know some of you can relate to that. Um, Rachel, um, when she was little, had issues with her bowel. We saw a specialist in Loma Linda. We've had all kinds of medical trouble. She was allergic to, or they told us she was allergic to corn syrup and corn. When she was in fifth grade, she had an anaphylactic reaction to either sunflower seeds or maybe a bee sting. I took her to urgent care. She was not, she was hardly breathing by the time we got her there. She was doing the, <gasps> and like welts all over her body. From that, we got a visit from CPS because they thought I was poisoning her. They thought I had Munchausen's and thought I was making potions for her. It was horrible. It was absolutely one of the worst times in our life. Um, and it was all because she had 10 sunflower seeds. From that, they told us she was allergic to 40 different foods. And I can remember standing in Ralph's grocery store in tears because the only thing I knew to feed her was chicken. And you can't eat chicken breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There was no rice, potatoes, corn, grain, nothing that could go with that. Um, so it was kind of rough. Um, 
uh, Rachel has had, and by the way, they told me I could talk about these things. So Rachel uh, in junior high one day told me that she was having trouble handling her stress. And when Sheila said, listen to your kids, I tell you this from experience, I heard her and I thought to myself, it's junior high hormones. I mean, one time I can't handle my stress. You would think that it was the 13 year old hormones. Turns out she really was struggling with anxiety, which we didn't know for many years later. Um, and she's now on a low dose of medication and doing beautifully. And her, uh, she's in the, um, what do you call it? Her doctoral program for psychology, wanting to work with junior high girls. And so that's a, that's a blessing out of that. But listen to your kids, even if they say something so simple, like I'm having trouble with this. And it's only one time, it was only one time and I heard her and I did respond, but it just wasn't, we just didn't go deep enough. Um, my other daughter was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at nine years old. Uh, they thought she had leukemia. Uh, she was just a couple days away from bone marrow testing, found out she had Crohn's, and then that led to high massive doses of prednisone, which lead, led to um, having issues with like just being psychotic, basically, literally, and not able to finish school for one of the years, uh, just the last couple months of school because she couldn't sleep. Um, which also led then to the prednisone moon face where your face gets large. And when she did go back to school, they called her Lauren C with the big face. And that led to an eating disorder, um, which we didn't know either because she was wearing baggy clothes and still eating hamburgers. And my idea of anorexia was that she would only eat lettuce and it wasn't on our radar. Um, so be aware. Um, and it was only when she put a bathing suit on that I noticed. Um, and from that experience, uh, she was also a dancer. And so we literally had to go into the, and this was in sixth grade. And just because of that prednisone moon phase, when we went into the doctor, they kept telling us, bring her back um, two days from now with her suitcase packed. She may need to go into an inpatient treatment center in Long Beach. She will not be dancing anymore if she lost one ounce. And so she kept her weight up and she'll tell you that she got healed after four months of that on a church retreat, praise the Lord for that. The doctors didn't believe her that she was healed. She's like, and she's good to this day, she's 29. So praise God for that. Um, CPS was also called another time on us because of a little girl, this was way back in first grade when Lauren was hanging out with a girl, it was, they had the same complaint, complaint filed against us and that other girl's parents. We didn't know that at the time. And I always believe that usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And so I hesitate to tell you this because you're probably gonna think, oh, you were guilty, you just got away with it, but we were not guilty. These were all attacks of the enemy on our life. We were very involved in church. We spent our life serving at a Methodist church, which probably wasn't the best place for our kids, but we felt like we were called to serve there. We felt that we were called to be there to make a difference and to be um, as this isn't arrogant, this is humbly spoken, but to be kind of the voice of Jesus because it was an older congregation who were doing things just because they'd always done that. And so my job in life has always been to be the one to say, but what about the people who don't know the Lord? And so we were there for that reason, but it wasn't the best for our kids. And yet somehow now at 29 and 27 and still all throughout this life, they are still walking with the Lord. And when you're in the middle of all of what you guys are going through, Tracy, I, you come to mind because I don't know how you do what you do because your meals, I don't even cook like that now and I don't have little kids at home. Yeah. Tracy makes, after working all day, these like gourmet looking meals and um, it's just hard, right? 
Like there's no time to sleep, there's no time to rest, you wonder what you're doing. And um, a couple of the things that happened, I, what we've learned is that it's not necessarily what you say, but how you live your life. And so yes, we did teach our kids about the Lord and yes, we did talk to them and yes, we took them to Sunday school and all of those things. But the reality is I think that they've learned more from our actions. We had a Friday night group at our house for 10 years every single Friday. The kids actually really liked it. They got to play in their bedrooms with the kids, but they saw us praying. They saw us meeting with people. They saw us bringing people from our workplaces into this group who didn't want to come to church. They saw that um, God was real. They saw us pray for them when they needed something. We would bring them in and pray for them. Um, we lost our house to foreclosure um, when they were probably, I don't even know how old they were. It was like 10, 12 years ago. So they were early high school age, we lost our house. They saw us two days later, after we moved very rapidly on a weekend, go to church. They saw Greg lead worship on Sunday. They saw us through our brokenness, still praising the Lord and trusting him. And they'll tell you that as shocking as that was to them, um, the fact that we never talked of divorce, we never talked of separation. We may have, Greg may have wanted to, but we didn't because God is the center of our marriage and has been the center of our lives. And so that lesson of still trusting the Lord when it doesn't make sense is what has, I, I talked to Lauren about this last night and she'll say that like what we did, like our example in just how we handled things has been more important than the words that we spoke to them. Um, you guys, some of you know my story that I had a uh, date rape situation in high or not in high school, in college. And then later on, this wasn't a cause and effect thing. I actually had an abortion. I didn't say those words until probably 10 years ago. And it was only out of necessity at that time because number one, I needed God to forgive me. But I also needed to tell my girls about those, especially the abortion, because I knew I, it was time for me to start helping others deal with the guilt and the shame of that. I was a Christian when I did that. I was a believer. And so the guilt was horrible to hang on to that. But in order to use my mess as my message, I had to tell my own children. And so the fact of how they heard that God forgave me has helped them in their own lives deal with some of the stuff that they've been through, some of the stuff that they've gone through, and some of the choices that they've made. Um, what I do know now is that my girls know that I love the Lord. They know that I love their dad. That's one of the most important things you can do is to love your spouse if you have a spouse, is to love them, to be kind to them, to be respectful of each other because they watch that. Um, they also know that I love them. I think um, the, one of the best things that happens now is, especially with Rachel in her psychology uh, doctoral program, um, I'm a wannabe like counselor, you know, and so all my life I've given her wisdom especially and it was always like, yeah, yeah, mom, yeah, yeah, mom. She calls me all the time, mom, I was counseling this couple today. Hey, she's 26, 27, never been married and she's doing marriage counseling, by the way, it's hilarious. But she calls me and she's like, remember that time you told me this? I told them that and they said it worked for them. She tells me that all the time. That's like the greatest blessing is to have them like hear what you've said and to actually believe it now. And then somehow, like, I'm not as stupid as they thought I was a long time ago. So <laughs> ladies, moms, it's coming. They'll, someday they'll, they'll understand that. Um, we've learned, or I've learned to explain my struggle, to apologize and to ask for forgiveness. Um, 
as I have poured into people in my life, I've watched my children and my girls learn to pour into people themselves, how to be a friend, how to love others more than yourself, how to take care of the person on the street. Not all the time, I, of course, not all the time, but just some of those things that we've tried to live by, they, they do now. And in closing, I just share with you a real brief story. At one point when Lauren uh, was in, after a couple years after she was diagnosed with Crohn's and she got through her first flare-up, she was doing well and her appendix actually burst. And luckily it encapsulated, which means the infection didn't spread throughout her body. They didn't know that's what happened because um, they thought it was just a Crohn's flare, so they kept treating her and she had to go to the hospital for these infusions that could have killed her. It was just a horrible story. Um, but she had such a bad infection that she ended up with a PICC line and home on IV antibiotics for months or a couple months until they could actually do surgery. And during that time, before the appendix, after it burst, before it was kind of diagnosed as a Crohn's issue, she, after she would eat in the evening, uh, she would scream. This was, she was in eighth grade, so she was probably 13 or 14. And what was happening was it was all closed up, her intestines, we didn't know that, but the food as it would try to pass through would cause like excruciating pain. And that was when Greg, Greg's turn was in. I couldn't even like deal with it. And so he would sit with her and rub her back. That's all we could do. Of course we prayed. I would take her to the doctor the next morning and they'd be like, she's fine. She would run a fever when all that was happening. But by the time the food passed through, she was good. So it was just bad. And that was like probably only three weeks, but it was horrible. And there was one night where I actually left. I told them I had to go to the store. I didn't know where I had to go, but I had to get out of the house. I couldn't do it anymore. And I drove up, I sat in our church parking lot. It was real close to our house. And I remember telling God that, God, if this is what it means to serve you, that you're gonna keep attacking my family, I want nothing to do with you. And I absolutely 100% meant that. I was done. I was done because you know the, the things we say to the Lord, like I do this and this for you and this is what you're doing for me and it was horrible. And I sat in the car for about 10 minutes and said, okay, I'm done. And I probably changed the radio station to secular music and the whole thing. And after 10 minutes, I got really, really scared and convicted and said, oh no, I can't, I don't really mean that. So I went into my church and told, uh, there was a bunch of people in there and they prayed for me. And it was only for 10 minutes that I gave up on God. But I'm sure some of you have been there where you're like, if this is what it means to be a Christian, like, I don't get it. I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. And my life is getting worse instead of better. And sometimes that happens. Being a Christian, being a believer, turning your life over to the Lord doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. It doesn't mean that things are going to just happen and fall into place for you. The enemy wants our souls for sure. And that was one thing I told my kids is that God will pursue you with everything he has until you pay attention to him. And he will make your life miserable until you pay attention to him. And, and one of them has experienced that to some level. And she didn't walk away too far, and she's back with the Lord and never really, really left. But um, anyway, so don't give up on the Lord. That's the point for all of you guys, whether you're a mother or a father. Life is hard, but I've learned that I would rather do the life hard, do, do hard life with God, with all of Satan's attacks, I would rather do that than walk away and do life on my own. Because on my own, I mess it up and there's no hope. So remember that. Cling tightly to the Lord for your family, to each other, for your children. They are listening. And uh, my passage, it's interesting, we all have the same one, but the, um, Proverbs 22, 6, to train up a child in the way he should go. 
and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that training up of the child, it doesn't have to be formal. It's in your everyday choices and decisions. Thank you, thank you, ladies. That was amazing. Don't go anywhere. Um, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, talks about living our lives sacrificially. That, that you know, the, the, the Old Testament, they had to make sacrifices to God, and they would sacrifice, you know, animals and things like that for their sins. But Paul talks to us about our lives being that we are living sacrifices, that we are to live sacrificially. And is whether you're a parent, and really, you don't even have to be a parent, but that our lives should be lived for others. Our lives should be not about us, because to be honest with you, you know, when I've made life about me, I've actually been miserable. It sounds, doesn't make sense, right? You think, well, if I'm taking care of me, right, if I'm, if I'm only concerned about me, life should be great. But when I've lived that kind of life, that kind of arrogant, prideful, self-centered kind of life, I've actually been the most empty but when I've lived the way God has, has you know, asked me to live, which is sacrificially, which is for others, I've actually felt very full in my life. When I felt like I'm helping others, when I'm giving to others. And, and parenthood is like that. Motherhood is like that. It is a life of sacrifice. And if anything, God wants to show his love through the model of you know, father and mother, of how God created it, it, you know, it to be. And, and, you know, I'm going to end with this, and worship team, you can, uh, you can come on up. We've just got one more song. But I, something that I've kind of have impressed upon my heart that I, I want to give opportunity to, because today is a day that stirs up a lot of emotion, right? Today, on a day like Mother's Day or Father's Day or things like that, uh, we didn't all have the, the leave it to beaver, you know, uh, household. We didn't all grow up where, you know, dad came home from work and mom, you know, comes, you know, flying out of the kitchen and, and everybody's smiling. I did not have that. In fact, my parents got a divorce when I was seven years old and it looked nothing like that. I did not have, you know, the leave it to beaver, uh, you know, childhood. And when I was in, you know, my adulthood, my mom, she came to me and uh, we were having coffee and my mom came to me and, and she's crying and she said, I am so sorry that I did not give you the life that you deserved. And I stopped my mom and I said, you know what, mom? I said, first of all, I know you gave your best. I know you tried your hardest. I know even in your lowest moments in your life, you were still thinking about me and you still cared for me. And by the way, mom, I know that you, my mom was the first uh, in her generation to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And because of that, I was more, you know, got to grow up a little bit more like a Timothy. I had a mom that was doing her best, but she was praying over me, and she was encouraging me, and she was there for me, giving me her wisdom. And even though she felt like a failure, my mom did an amazing job. And I looked at her and I said, Mom, you did an amazing job. Don't ever, ever, ever say that again. Don't ever come to me and tell me that you felt like a failure because of maybe the different life decisions you made. I go, because mom, you've taught me what strength is. You've taught me, and I heard every single one of these women say that. You taught me what it was like to fail, what it was like to be kicked down and then get back up again and say, I'm not gonna give up. You taught me strength, mom. So don't ever, ever, ever apologize. 
because you don't think that I had this perfect, you know, childhood. So one of the things that is on my heart is I don't know what kind of emotions today has stirred up for you. Maybe a super happy day, but maybe it's not. If you feel like maybe as a mom, you felt like my mom and you just, you felt, man, I've just been failing. First of all, I wanna tell you that's not the truth because God is gracious and God is merciful. And no matter how low you think you have been as a parent, God can take any situation and he can redeem it. He can restore. So if you're a mom this morning who just needs some prayer because maybe you feel like, man, I, I, I don't know that I've been doing the best job. I want you to be encouraged today and I want you to know you've been giving it your best. You've been giving it all you have. And really the lesson for anybody around you is not that you are broken and not that you have been kicked down, it's that you keep getting back up. That's the important lesson, that you don't give up because God won't give up on you, so let's not give up on him and don't give up on the role that God has given you. The other thing is, is maybe you don't have a great relationship with your mom. And maybe you just need some healing. Or maybe you're a mom and you don't have a great relationship with your children right now. And maybe you just need some prayer and encouragement this morning. I've asked our three ladies to stay up here. And while we go into this next worship song, if you just need for any reason, ladies, any reason, you just need a prayer this morning, you just need some encouragement this morning, or maybe you just need some healing this morning, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Because God wants to restore anything that is broken. God wants to give back anything that's been stolen. God wants to redeem any situation, no matter what. Will you guys stand with me as we go back into this song? And can we just worship our Lord and, of course, Thank our God for loving us.